Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, September 25th, 2021. Pressure. Life is just full of it. You are going to find yourself in pressure-packed situations. Now, sometimes we think of pressure, you know, in the realm of sports, you know, a really intense moment in the competition. And, you know, when those athletes kind of get squeezed, what's going to come out? Who's going to endure or perform under pressure? Well, you might not be able to relate to that, but in your life, there's just going to be situations of pressure, whether that's in your home, at your job, something with finances, something with your health, just stressful situations that are going to squeeze you. And the question is, in those situations, what's going to come out when you are squeezed? Is it going to be bitterness? Is it going to be anger? Or is it going to be grace, patience, forgiveness? What's that going to look like for you? And we're going to see, I think, a good example of grace under pressure as we finish Psalm 109 today. And just as we look at this psalm, and just to refresh our memory, this will be our third day in this psalm, we've seen David uh, really praying against his enemies. And it's clear that they have put him in a pressure-packed situation. And we've discussed, uh, you know, his prayers and how that should affect us and how we should always not seek vengeance for ourselves, but go to God and bring our frustration, bring our desires to Him. But today we're going to see that the psalm kind of pivots and ends on a different note. I believe a note of grace under pressure. Look at what David says. For you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake. Because your steadfast love is good, deliver me. So there he, he comes back to God and really lifts his request, leans on him and reminds himself of God's steadfast love. And then he admits that I am poor and needy and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening. And he talks about his weakness and he cries out to God. And he cries out to God for help and he anticipates God's help. Look at verses 30 and 31. With my mouth, I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng for he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. So he is confident of God and giving thanks to him and also just of, of God's willingness and eagerness to help those in need. And so that is something that should help us as we think through situations in our life. Uh, When we feel the pressures of life, uh, we should uh, rely on God. And one thing we need to admit in pressure-packed situations is our own weakness. Did you notice how how David did that there? How he, in this pressure-packed situation, didn't just try to suck it up and act like he had it all together but he really went to God and admitted his neediness, his weakness, and looked to God for help? Is that something you do when the pressure of life seems intense? Do you go to God and admit your need and lean on him for help? That's really what God is calling us to do. 
And then in those pressure pack situations, do you anticipate that God is going to help? And do you rely on him to help? I hope those things really encourage you today. They encourage me as we finished this psalm that we don't need to just stick up for ourselves and rely on ourselves. We need to rely on God and we need to trust God. And there's a sweetness that comes from that. There can be a very real grace under pressure that we experience um, as we really look to God in those pressure-packed moments of life. We get to see a snippet of Jesus in something of a pressure-packed situation in his life as we look at Luke 22, verses 1 through 13 today. And obviously, one of the biggest things we see is Judas plotting and agreeing with the religious leaders to give Jesus over to Uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. But then we see this episode of Jesus setting up this Passover dinner that's going to be uh, eaten with his disciples, what we're going to know as the Last Supper. And he sends Peter and John and says, go prepare the way. And he gives them some of this inside information. You're going to find a man carrying a jar of water, you know, follow him into the house that he enters and tell him the teacher needs it. Uh, and I don't necessarily think we need to rely on that this was just a supernatural thing that Jesus knew this man was going to be there with a the jar. I think it's very possible that this was something that Jesus, with his infinite wisdom, knowing what Judas would do, something that Jesus set up uh, with someone to host this meal. And notice he sends Peter and John to go and do this, and keep he keeps Judas out of it. So Jesus, even though Judas is scheming to betray him, Jesus is scheming in sovereignty to set up one final meal with his disciples. And it's just one thing we're going to see throughout this Passion Week of Jesus being in absolute control. Uh, even though people were scheming against him, Jesus was in control. That's actually a little, a good little preview of something we're going to experience as we start John 18 and 19 this weekend at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, in those first 11 verses, chapter 18, we're going to see some very similar things that although everyone is out to get Jesus, Jesus remains in control. And that should be another thing that helps you have grace under pressure, that when everything seems like it's out to get you and it seems like the world is conspiring against you, God is in control. And we can trust him. Nothing is going outside of his plan. He is the one that is working all things together for good. So we can trust him. Now, our last two passages today are, um, these might be a little more on the difficult side just to read and, okay, how do I get something out of this? And let's start with Hebrews chapter seven, Hebrews chapter seven. And we're going to have to talk today about Melchizedek. Now let's just rewind the tape a little bit. Who in the world is Melchizedek? Well, if we go all the way back to Genesis, remember when Abraham rescues Lot uh, because Lot has been taken captive by these kings who fought against Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham goes and rescues him. And after he does, uh, this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, you know, one of the cities that were involved in this skirmish, he comes out to meet Abraham and he blesses Abraham and Abraham gives him a 10th part of everything. He gives him a 10th kind of of his spoils. It's an interesting reaction. And Melchizedek, he was 
You see there, even in Hebrews 7 verse 1, he was a king and also a priest. Now, what I want you to understand here is it mentioned Melchizedek in the last chapter, and now it's going to talk about him today, and we'll pick him back up on Monday. Well, he's really going to start saying that he's comparing Jesus to Melchizedek, but today we're going to see more. He's comparing Melchizedek to the Levites is is what he is doing. And we're going to get to the fact that Jesus, he's a different kind of priest. Jesus is not like one of the Levitical priests. He's better than the Levitical priests. He is more like Melchizedek. And notice what kind of priest was Melchizedek? Well, he was a king and a priest. Well, isn't Jesus a king and a priest? And so as we we see that, we're going to start to see the, the significance of what's going on here with Melchizedek. Now, it's it's interesting. Verse 3 talks about Melchizedek and it says, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. Now, there are some who would argue that Melchizedek was actually a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And we do see those Uh, in the Old Testament where God appears in human form. And we would say, well, then who is that? We would say that's God the Son. So it's a Christophany. I do not think that Melchizedek is a Christophany. And I think uh, that that's probably not the best reading of verse 3 saying, well, Melchizedek was never born and he he never died. I mean, that's one way maybe you could understand it. But I think the better idea is we don't know who his mother or his father was. We don't know his genealogy. We don't know when he was born and we don't know when he died. And I think what it's trying to draw out there is Melchizedek's priesthood wasn't because of his his lineage, his genealogy, or where he was born, or anything like that. That wasn't what his priesthood was based on. And I think that's the connection it's going to make to Jesus. His priesthood wasn't based on his tribe. He wasn't of the tribe of Levites. It's actually something better. And I think that's the, the point that's being made there in Hebrews 7. And I think it will get more into the significance of what that means as we get into the reading tomorrow. And it starts to compare Jesus to Melchizedek. Uh, but hopefully that helps you understand a little bit today. And, and then he goes on to say, basically, hey, this Melchizedek must have been greater than Levi. Because at this point, Levi, who was a descendant of Abraham, you know, uh, Abraham gave to Melchizedek, the, the one who is lesser gives to the one who is greater. So if Abraham was saying, I'm less than Melchizedek, how much more uh, would Levi, a descendant of Abraham, be saying that? He's saying this type of priest like Melchizedek is greater than the Levites. And he's saying that's the kind of priest that Jesus is. Well, let's wrap up in Isaiah 28 through 30. And here, some of these, you know, as we get into the prophetic books, sometimes you can read this and there's a lot of different language and it can be hard to understand at points. But I do want you to notice a few things today uh, from the reading, both a negative thing and a positive thing. Uh, For the negative, you're going to see in chapter 29, verse 13, it says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. 
Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. And so there we see that idea of people who honor Christ with their lips or honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And in a somewhat religious, somewhat Christian place, uh, like we live in our society where so many people claim to be Christians, I think this is something that we will see so true, that many people honor God with their lips and say, I love Jesus or say, I love God or say, I'm religious. Their heart is actually far from him. And we're going to see God then kind of bring about a futility to the wisdom and discernment of that kind of people. And I, I look around our society and see a massive loss of wisdom and discernment. But instead of just looking out, we also need to look in. We need to check our own hearts. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody that honors God with your lips. But where's your heart today? Are, are you ready to actually listen to him and follow him today? And, but then we do see some positives. We see God uh, promising uh, to do some things. We see God promising to be gracious. Chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And so there he talks about really the the blessing of waiting on the Lord and being that kind of person. And those are the people really that we need to be. The kind of people that wait on on the Lord, the people that actually trust in him, the people that really do what David did where we started. We are meek, we are humble, and we look to God. And that's going to bring promise. Look at chapter 30, verse 29. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept and gladness of heart as when one sets out to the sound of the flute to go down to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And there, you know, we see these promises of of joy that are coming, but that's for really those that are looking to the Lord uh, and not for those that honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. May we be the people that really look to the Lord, trust in him, rely on him and look to him out of humility and really live lives that bear out that grace under pressure. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.